0: chapter three, verse one. The first half of the verse says this. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And Father, we thank you that we can rejoice in you whether we're in prison or whether we're free. And we lament, Lord, that um, many times it takes you chastening us before we do rejoice. But either way, Lord, we thank you for this, for, for, for this verse, Lord. You, you don't command something, mm-hmm. indeed it's a command, without giving us a way to do it, Lord. So I pray that you continue teaching us, Lord, in this series in Philippians. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So Paul in Philippians, speaking about the process that he took from being a really angry man who had very little joy, if any, in his life, to a man who rejoiced always, he describes the process Beginning in verse 5, if you go down there, he's speaking about what it meant at the time to be a good Jew. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day. That was the process for infants, Jewish infants. On the eighth day, they were circumcised. They were of the stock of Israel, meaning he was a pure blood Of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the two tribes known not to have betrayed Israel along with Judah he said a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law a Pharisee meaning if you looked at him he was one of those people who uh, wow have they ever sinned in their life and uh, you know we are so at the time there was a lot of pride particularly amongst the religious class and we do the same things ourselves. It would not be difficult at all um, to go out and find a story like Paul's. So he goes through this. He goes, I was a, a Jew that everyone looked to and said, wow. OK. But in verse 8, follow me there. He says, yet indeed, I also can count all things loss, meaning all that stuff, loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count all that stuff as rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And it would not be difficult at all to go out and find a story from almost every conceivable career uh, out there, where someone reached the very top of their profession, a businessman. Just totally made it. He CEO'd it. He's got it a million stock options in his retirement account. a lawyer at the top of his field, a doctor top of his or her field, a musician, an actor, a politician, a professor, a scientist, a football player, baseball player, hockey player, ba- basketball player, uh, someone at the top of their field. You just search the internet and many of you have seen these and, and some, some of you know these people they say the same thing Paul did. Everything, I count it as rubbish. Other translations say dung. Because I traded it in for the excellence of knowing Jesus. Now, I grew up as, man, I, I, <laughs> I played sports out of my mind. It's what I did day and night. On Friday nights, I was playing basketball. I'm partial to basketball, And uh, here's just one story of a thousand. These are not hard stories. You could put them right into Philippians chapter three. It's about uh, Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich was the best basketball player who has ever played college basketball. Uh, He scored the most points in a season of of any uh, college basketball player. And then just shockingly, he averaged... uh, this is Division One, 44 points a game, which is just inconceivable uh, that someone, uh, the college games are not as long as the pro, uh, and that's before the three-point rule. To many of you, that means nothing. To some of you uh, men and women who know basketball, today, you hit a shot from a certain distance, so you get a three points, and that goes on your scoring record. He didn't have any of that. Pete Maravich, this is his story right before he uh, passed away. He did pass away as a young man, but he said this. My dad uh, passed away in April of 1987. He was my best friend, a teacher, a mentor. I remember him saying to me, Pete, if you listen to me and work hard, you can get a basketball scholarship. Maybe you will even go to the pros and play on a championship team. You will make a million dollars playing basketball. They will give you a big diamond ring and you will have your name on it and it will say world champion. When I was seven years old, I said, Dad, that is what I want. If you. He, and my dad said to me, if you dedicate yourself to basketball, that's all you have to do. And Pete Maravich said, so that's what I did. I became a human basketball android. I didn't even know if they had Andro- android. They didn't at the time, but he's saying this in 1987. Or actually saying this, yeah, 1988 is when he said this. He said, at the time, Pete Maravich said, I believed in God when I was a young boy, but to me, God was a heavenly Santa Claus. God was someone that would give me things, or when I was in trouble, he would get me out of it. I didn't care about a personal relationship with God. I was committed to basketball. That was my idol. When I was 14, a friend of mine said, Pete, have you ever had a beer? I said, no, I haven't, and I, go, I don't care to have one because my dad said if I ever drank one, he would shoot me. I don't want to die just yet because I want to pre- play pro basketball. He kept, on, uh, he kept on and on and on. I said, okay, and we sat down on the steps of a Methodist church at 9.30 p.m., The first sip destroyed my life. Peer pressure is a choice. There was never a gun pointed at me to drink alcohol. It became a toehold, and that became a stronghold. When I was 19 years old, so this is when he's just scoring 44 points a game. He's just going berserk, and everyone knows his name. Everyone who's followed sports knew his name when he was 19. I went to a Campus Crusade for Christ meeting. For three days, I heard about Jesus Christ, and for three days, I rejected him. I said, you cannot fall for this. They are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. I do not want anything to do with this because I have set my goals. I did not have time for Christ, and I went out into the wilderness for 16 years. I became an All-American basketball player while while playing for my dad at LSU, that's Louisiana State. I received many trophies and awards and was on the cover of sports magazines. I had a trophy six foot five inches tall, the same height as I am. It has been in the attic for 15 years collecting dust. I signed the largest contract in sports for one million dollars in 1970. I went to my dad and I said, I hope you're proud of me. All I need now is the ring. When I get my ring, I will be able to say, sit by the pool, wiggle my toes in the water, sit back with my drink, and live happily ever after. That was what I thought, but it didn't turn out that way. On a November night in 1982, I sat in my den staring at the television. Around midnight, I turned off the set and quietly slipped into my bed. I pondered the impact alcohol had on my life and on my family. For hours, I lay awake, tortured in my memories. I had a revelation. I saw all my sin. I then heard a voice, be strong, lift up, thy heart, the words were delivered as loud as thunder. Having experienced a transcendental moment, I prayed for salvation. With tears in my eyes, I said, Jesus, I know you're real because I have tried everything else. When I took God into my heart, it was the first true happiness I ever had. I am saved through the grace of God by Jesus Christ. I won every trophy and award in my life, and I always wanted more. Jesus Christ was placed on the cross to save us. The thing about Christianity, it's your choice. You cannot work or earn it, and I understand that now. All the awards are pale, meaning dung, meaning rubbish to the glory of God in what the Lord has done in my life. I would not trade my position in Christ for a thousand Hall of Fame rings or a hundred million dollars. There is nothing like the joy of Jesus Christ in my life. So as I said, Philippians chapter 4, where Paul is describing a good Jew, circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, concerning, I mean, rather concerning the law of Pharisee, there's so many stories like this where he goes on and says, I just, it's all rubbish. I have Jesus Christ now. So. talking about rejoicing in the Lord how do you do that so much so that a person like Pete Maravich like the Apostle Paul and many in this room they count all things as rubbish we talked about a number of things how do you do that like how do you get that like how it happen? Rejoicing in the Lord, we've been there. I want to focus on uh, verses 10 through 11. Verses 10 through 11, this is, these two verses are directly tied to the first four verse of the chapter where Paul says, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. This is how you do it. He says, I count it all things as rubbish, verse 10, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So he mentions four things. He says he count all things lost so he could have these four things. And I want to, uh, if you're taking notes, I hope you are, there's four things that he mentions in this verse where this is where now, his joy is found in pursuing these things. He lists four things. I'm going to list them out. Number one, he says, I've counted all things as lost that I may know him. That I may know him. That's number one. So let's just put that in practical terms. What does that mean, that I may know him? Well, Jesus Christ He did with Pete Maravich, as he does with many of you. He's brought you to himself. Bible calls it being born again. Born once by your mother's womb, a second time by by God himself. So that you may know him. Like, for example, with the apostles. It says in Mark chapter 3. It says, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. He's done the same thing with you, that you might be with Jesus. You're familiar with the term, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Another similar verse, uh, Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. But it starts off with coming to Jesus. Why? So that you can get to know him as you're with him in every situation of life. When you're bored out of your mind because you're waiting, I don't know, in a dentist's office, like I'm gonna be in on... Tomorrow morning, actually uh, or or if you're like in the craziest, most stressful situation at work where you have people yelling at you because you are holding up a deadline at work and everyone's looking at you. He wants to he, he, he's called you to be with him to know him to call on him. And if we could see that again, uh, Wenley, uh, the verse, it says, come to me, I will give you rest, take my yoke um, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. He, he's, and, and so you're getting to know God that he is gentle in every single conceivable situation in life. Remember in chapter one, we said to live is Christ. Every situation you're in, Jesus is doing something. And so I've used this illustration before. So every situation in life, he wants to teach you that he's gentle. Can we have that verse again one more time? He wants to teach you that Second sentence there, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest free. Every situation, he's trying to get you to learn that. Why? Because we think otherwise of God when we really, if I give my life to God, if I'm going to do that, no, I don't want to do that because I know for certain who he is. He's a hard task master. And some of you are familiar with the parable of the talents. A talent was um, a a measurement of of either gold or silver or something like that. It's a weight thing. Um, And uh, he gave one person, was it five talents? He gave another two talents, and he gave one one talent and said, go and multiply these things. Uh, The first one did, and he multiplied the five. And it says that when he... uh, Died and went to heaven, God says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Enter into my joy. The second guy, same thing, took two talents, multiplied it, and he came into heaven. Enter into my joy. See, God's filled with joy. And then, but the third guy buried it, and he didn't do anything with it. It does say at the end, he winds up actually going to hell. Is he, part, of the, part of the parable is, is it, the, given the talents, it was salvation. God given himself. He said, I don't want it. He buried it. And then look what he gave as the excuse to God. Look what he gave as the excuse. Do we have that, Winley? He says, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. In other words, if I give my life to Christ, I know it's going to happen. He's going to ruin all my fun. There's not going to be anything such as joy. And he's going to require me things that I don't even have the capacity to give. And what did the Lord say to him when he said that? He said, really? Someone told you, you thought I was a hard man? False. He's gentle and he's lowly of heart. Nothing could be easier than a relationship with Jesus Christ and many of you don't get it this morning. My yoke is easy. I'm gentle. My burden is light. That's who Jesus Christ is. Of course, it takes time to get to know him. But remember, Paul said, I count all things lost Number one was so that I could get to know him. Particularly, by the way, in the area of joy, um, Jeremiah 29, 13, very familiar verse. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you have no joy, when you're discouraged, you, you, you go like mad to God and go, what is the matter? I, I'm discouraged, I'm dry, what's the matter you will find, he will reveal it to you. It's that attitude, someone called me yesterday, said said, a real bad attitude towards their mother. Mother's misbehaving real bad. Doesn't excuse any of us people, none of us. We gotta honor our mothers. And, and, and so um, that will, it's that or a thousand other things the Lord will reveal, and then he will replace your discour- discouragement with joy. Again, Paul says, I count it all rubbish for the sake of, of knowing him. Who is he? He's gentle, he's lowly of heart, and he's filled with joy. And he's a giver. He's a give, 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 give. The third person in the parable of talents thought he was take, 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 take. That's not who God is. He's a giver. He says he abounds in giving. So I counted all his rubbish so that I get to know him. So number two, in verse 10, I have counted all things lost. Number two is, so that I may know the power of his resurrection. Again, look at verse 10. That I may know him, and number two, and the power of his resurrection. Jesus' body was dead. He got crucified for your sins. You and me, we caused his death. He was dead, completely, for three days, no breath, no heartbeat, no brain activity, dead. Now I, I, in my own personal Bible time, I just finished, the. I always like to try to include some of the New Testament, some of the Old Testament, I just finished Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, I'm back in Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, what's the next verse? God. God, that's right, God created, good. And it says, at that time when he created, before he started the creation process, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then it says God spoke. He commanded, and light light was created. He commanded, and the waters on the earth were separated from the water in the sky. He commanded, and dry land appeared. He commanded... The vegetation and trees appeared. He commanded. The stars were created. He commanded. Living creatures were created. He commanded, and man was created. And Calvary Chapel, don't believe the lie. Each separate phase of creation, God created in a single day. At the end of each command to create, reads the phase f- phrase rather. So the evening and the morning were the first day, second day, third day, which affirms it was 24 hours. Moses in Exodus chapter 20 makes it clear, 24 hours, Calvary Chapel, such is the power of God. He's able to create all the stars in a single day. And it, and it was with that same power, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, the resurrection power. God commanded, and Jesus' dead body, dead three days, no breath, no heartbeat, no brain activity, came alive. And Paul says, I want to know that power. I want to know the power of his resurrection. So, why? What is the. What do we see, what do we experience when we experience the resurrection power of God? First of all, it's the victory over that nasty, ugly, controlling sin in your life. The resurrection power will get you out of it. It says right here in verse 5, uh, 1 Corinthians 15-17, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Wendley, can we move down to Ephesians 2, hmm, seven, I think it is, seven, six? No, Ephesians 2, six, can we move down there? What is this resurrection power talking about? So Ephesians 2, I think it's chapter, uh, verse four, six, it says, God is rich in mercy, this is talking about resurrection power, Because of his great love with which he loved us, and that's you, that's you, (laughs) even when we, you, were dead in trespasses, meaning your sin, he made us alive together with Christ. Just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, his resurrection power does the same thing with it, 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 when you're dead in your sins, incapable of getting out of it. And he says he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. So resurrection power is about making you alive. But there's something else. There's something else. It says in Mark chapter three, we've already seen part of this, it says Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him to do what well to get to know him but also that he might send them out to preach that he might send them out to preach. And that says to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Now, I was in a situation in Haiti where I participated in, in, in the last one. Don't see that as much around here, although the santeria and voodoo are, are, are very much an issue in Boston. But, but resurrection power, I got to tell you, but Paul says, I count all my past rubbish, all my trophies rubbish, as, as, as dung so that I may know him and his resurrection power. Let me tell you, when you're sharing the gospel with someone <laughs> and you see them rise from the dead spiritually, <laughs> that I got to tell you, that's worth tossing every single award and achievement that you've ever had. Or at least, you know, they're from God, so in the sense I don't want to malign them, but it just doesn't make them like anything compared to the wonder of that, the wonder of that. It also says, "Heal the sick," and just going out and ministering. Can we get that up, Wendley? It says, "It, it says he said, he's with them also to to have power to heal sicknesses," and with that's laying your hand on someone, you may think you're the last person, but lay your hands on someone and have them feel, uh, have them be healed. But 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 when 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 you're either praying for them that way or otherwise ministering to them. You're getting to know the resurrection power. Uh, One more thing. Uh, It says, uh, go therefore and disciple. In Matthew 28, it says, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And lo, I am with you always. There it is. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you all. He's called you, California Chapel, to get to know him and also to know his resurrection power and let me tell you that first thing making disciples everyone in this room if you've been a Christian I would say more than three months you can find someone to disciple you just heard Adonish you just heard her this isn't just preacher man making this up in the country that she is from you use whatever you want And you just go with it, even if it's a simple sinner's prayer. You go with it. And you'll see the resurrection power at work as you see people you disciple being grown up. Discipling, by the way, is not just teaching like a formal thing. It's pulling people into your life. So number three. What's number three? I've counted all things lost. That I may... Hmm, boy, I kind of messed that up. I have counted all things lost that I may have f- the fellowship of his sufferings. Let's read the actual verse. It says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So he says, I've counted all my perfect Jewishness. I mean, he was like the pride of his mama, his, all his cousins, they all knew about him, like that dude, he's like the perfect Jew, and the, he's like the perfect guy. He's think, like, I, I count it all as nothing, that I may have fe- the fellowship, that I may know the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. So what does that mean? That means when you suffer as a Christian, That is an opportunity like no other. There's a promise connected with that kind of suffering, with this kind of suffering, that your fellowship with Jesus will be incredibly sweet, rich, and deep. So you say, well, what kind of suffering? How about loneliness? Matthew 26, 56 says all the disciples forsook him and fled. Listen, you'll have your Christian friends take off because you insist on living with Jesus. A lot of times it's people at work, friends, family, whatever. The fellowship of his suffering. So Jesus knew what it was like to be lonely. And when you get, you heard, a, you heard Adonis today, all who live a godly life in Jesus, Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus said, beware if all men like you. Beware of that. <laughs> because that means you're, you're, you're not living for the Lord because someone's going to leave you, I promise. Or we're not going to want to be around you or talk about you behind your back. But when you're in those times, your fellowship, there's a promise that, that Jesus will meet you. Lord, Lord, I know your word says that you knew this better than me. There's a promise that you'll get that sweetness, that joy, that strength. How else do you share in the fellowship of Jesus Christ? How else do you do that? When someone you trust, including a Christian, betrays you, how else do you participate in the sufferings of fellowship. It says the fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus, where you and Jesus are together and you're dying because some person you trusted, they, 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 they insulted you. In a prophetic, I mean, they, they betrayed you. They stabbed you in the back. Psalm 55, a prophetic psalm about Jesus Christ said, if an enemy were insulting me, I could deal with it. But it is you My companion, my close friend, I once enjoyed sweet fellowship with you. You stabbed me in the back. That's speaking about Jesus and Judas among others. So when this happens to you, and it will if you're following the Lord, there's a promise right here of joy. As hard as it hurts, man, that hurts when someone you trust betrays you. And so what's the last one? There's many opportunities where it says, I count all of that stuff rubbish just for the fellowship of knowing Jesus and sharing in his sufferings. It's just when you're insulted or mocked or rejected because of your faith. And, and, and you know, we've kind of already talked about that, but um, in 1 Peter it says, um, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And, and it says the spirit of God rests on you You have a promise here Calvary Chapel to share with Jesus and be intimate with him because he had what you have times 10,000. And so that promise. And so the last thing is number four. It says I have counted all things lost that I may know him as I am conformed to his death as I am conformed to his death. Again, verse 10 says, I count all things as rubbish that I may know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed by his death. What does that mean? Well, when Jesus died, when he was crucified, it was a complete victory over the world so in Matthew chapter 4 Satan is tempting Jesus says the devil took him to the exceedingly high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and Satan said to Jesus all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me and Jesus said away with you Satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So when Jesus died on the cross, it was, a, it was an indescribably important victory. Nothing the world or Satan could offer him prevented him from going and de- doing what he did. He was crucified. So then, again, Paul is saying that we need to be conformed to the death of Jesus, it means you doing the same thing. (laughs) And there's a fellowship with him that's so sweet when you're being conformed to his death that it's a source of joy and you're obeying the command. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. So we'll close with this verse. It's Galatians 6.14. The Lord Jesus Christ by whom I have been crucified the world, and every one of you in this room, should be able to substitute your name with the uh, "I" there. The Lord Jesus Christ, by whom I, meaning Asmir, meaning Grisel, meaning uh, g- 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 meaning John, meaning Victor, the, the the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom I have been crucified to the world, meaning that all that the world offers, the riches, the fame, the power, the sensuality, all the kings of the world and their glory, it's now dead to me because of the joy of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. So if the worship team could come up now and if there's anything that it's just stirring your heart to pray, if there's anything that's stirring your heart to pray at this point, I want you to come up. If you've been asked to be a prayer partner, please come up at this time. Paul says, I want to, I consider everything that I have up to this time in my life I consider it rubbish because of the joy of knowing him, knowing the power of his resurrection, knowing the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed to his death. Jesus Christ says, died for you. You cannot earn or deserve a relationship with God. Impossible. The Bible says that all the best things that we can do to try to make up for the bad things we've done it's like filthy rags in the sight of God. You need the purity, the perfection of Jesus Christ living inside of you. If you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, it's a prayer of faith, yet you only have to pray one time in your whole life. If you've never done that, please come up. Otherwise, if there's anything that we, I talked about today in the word or anything else you'd like to pray, we're gonna close in prayer. If you could stand up and close in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you. Just thank you that's just bringing us to this moment, this time, January 2024, Lord. We pray, Father, you'd help us do that business. The business you've started, Lord, in this service, and then send us out rejoicing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to come up, please pray otherwise. Just close with worship.